You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Good morning, everybody. It's Annie for Showreel, the look at it, Australian films, and uh, they're people who make them and people who distribute them and you, the people who go and see them. And uh, whatever your uh, uh, viewing predilection is, there's a couple of different things we're going to talk about today. Uh, First up, we're going to focus on a film called Splice Here, uh, a projectionist odyssey, which has been made by... uh, Rob Murphy. Now, Rob Murphy, you might know because Rob Murphy is a projectionist down at the Sun, but he's also a filmmaker. Uh, He was the person responsible for uh, getting uh, The Hateful Eight uh, being shown in its original format on a 70mm screen and uh, also the reason for why Quentin Tarantino came into town for the launch in in uh, Australia of uh, The Hateful Eight. But you'll see that in the movie that he's made called Splice Here, which is going to be playing, uh, playing in quite a few cinemas around the place, uh, across the country. It's uh, also probably going to be shown right across the world because it features uh, many projectionists from all over the world uh, as they go on the hunt for uh, aspects of the past, uh, the technical past as well as the uh, technical future for movies as an art form. And that's what uh, Splice here is all about. But I had a chat with uh, Rob about this. It's going to be screening at uh, Yarraville because uh, Sun Theatre is actually featured in the film. It's going to be on Friday, November the 25th at uh, 8.30pm. And there's going to be a Q&A. The filmmaker will be there. Um, but there's also other screenings that are on in Melbourne, as well as some regional areas and, of course, in other states. And I've just quickly say that there are a couple of double passes for the uh, screenings in some of the different cinemas in Melbourne uh, and uh, and the uh regional areas, I'll give you a rundown of those because if you give us a ring, you can go, uh, you can um, uh, email Potential Films, who are the distributor, to see if you can get a double pass to your preferred your preferred um, screening. So it's going to be on at the Classic on December the 1st at 8.30. It's going to be on at the Lido Cinema in Hawthorne, 4 p.m., uh, 
and meet the filmmaker at 6pm. It's going to be at a place called Showbiz in Ballarat on December the 3rd and December the 4th. There's going to be also a screening by Showbiz in Swan Hill on the 3rd and the 4th of December. Cinema Nova is going to get it December the 4th. Uh, the Pivot Pivotonian in Geelong, that's a fantastic name. It's going to be on uh, at uh, 7.30pm, meet the filmmaker at 9.30 on December the 7th. Thornbury Preacher House, December the 10th, 4pm, and uh, that's going to be on December the 10th. Now, you don't have to remember all these things, but if you're interested in the double pass to go and see a splice here, you should give us a ring on 94198377 and we will give you the way that you can put your name in for that particular uh, event. But we're going to talk about that later as we uh, hear from Rob and all about his film. But before we do, there's this great press release that was put out by Cinema Nova. It's launching their biggest competition ever with $10,000 in cash prizes up for grabs. This is what they're saying. Fanatical about film, love the moments before movies. Movie Art House Cinema is reviving the lost art of pre-show entertainment with a competition that encourages local emerging talent to submit creative short videos for a shot at 10 cash prizes of $1,000, plus the chance to see their work on the big screen. And the details are, your video must be original, your own work, created for this competition, and mention Cinnamon Over. The videos must be five to seven minutes in duration. Avoid overly offensive themes or language and they're looking for creativity over technical perfection but we want your video looking good on the big screen. Entries open on Monday, November the 21st and will close at 11.59pm on Saturday, December the 31st. You can upload to YouTube or Vimeo and submit file via the Google form. Uh, need help for inquiries about the competition? Contact publicity at cinnamonova.com.au. That's publicity at cinnamonova.com.au. The, it started on November the 21st and it finishes between, on December the 31st. All right. So get out there or be square. You're on. Uh, showreel with Annie. Hi, my name is Rolf De Heer. I don't live in Melbourne. I live across the water in Tasmania. But if I did live in Melbourne, my number one radio station would be 3CR because it's about community and community matters. And he is right. You're with Annie on Solidarity Breakfast on 3CR, your community radio station. And as I promised, here's a bit of my chat with uh, director... Uh, filmmaker, projectionist extraordinaire, Rob Murphy. And uh, this is all about film, all about formats and all about the things that you probably just take for granted when you go and see a movie. Splice here, a, a projected odyssey. How long did it take you to make this film? Because obviously it's a labour of love. 
It is. Um, it, it's taken 10 years, in fact. If, if somebody had said to me at the beginning, you'll still be making this in 10 years' time, I, I may not have started it. Uh, it was it was going to be uh, well. We weren't sure what it was going to be. It was it was really just a knee jerk reaction to what was happening in the industry. As a projectionist, I just saw everything changing so quickly. And being a filmmaker as well, I decided to do something about it, and um, it just grew out of that. And and here we are, <laughs> ten years later, with a two hour uh, world trotting uh, documentary. Well, what, what's really fascinating, of course, is um, that you pose the question about technological change. And as, you know, Malcolm McLuhan would say, whenever there's a change in major change in technology, the medium is the message and things get lost. Things get uh, uh, forgotten and, uh, uh, and whole episodes of the filmic experience have gone now that we've moved into a new realm that's true isn't it it's one of the historical realities and why it was so important for you to make this film well absolutely i mean uh film is a is a unique art form in that it's so heavily dependent technically um but but is an artistic expression at the same time that's one of the fascinating things i find about it uh, but being dependent on a technical uh, format, yes, uh, lots of changes have happened in this uh, 120 years. In fact, it's sort of a miracle that uh, film has lasted this long as the uh, recording and the exhibition format. So um, that's sort of unique in itself. Uh, I, I don't know anything else that has kind of happened that way. I mean, the film has evolved in that time, of course. Um, the way the sound is delivered, uh, you know, the, the, the widescreen revolution in 1952 with Cinerama had a huge impact on the industry. The introduction of sound itself back in 1930. Uh, so this was this was destined to happen. I think maybe we went to digital a little bit too quickly. I don't think the technology was quite ready. It's only now. 10 years on from the implementation um, now with the third generation of projectors, which are laser driven uh, that I believe we're, we're just starting to approach what film was delivering for that 120 years. Well, it's interesting because your film actually has got quite a few parallel universes running along through it. And one of them is that technical reality that you're talking about. In fact, it was fascinating to listen to that character who was talking about the resolution, the uh, low-grade resolution of films uh, being nothing more than what you can get on a, uh, on your mobile phone. Um, yeah. Because his level of appreciation was so high. It was so fantastic to hear uh, from a person who was so technically advanced, in fact. Uh, we, we're still, there's still only about 30% of content is delivered in 4K digital. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, bunk around the whole 4K, 2K thing. A lot of people don't really understand what it means. They, they know the term because it might have been associated with their television when they bought it or something like that. But uh, really, uh, 4K is, uh, uh, film has been 4K for at least the last 60 to 70 years, um, natively uh, at 4K. So 
most of the films that we've been watching and we still watch at the movies, about 70% of them are four times less resolution. Yeah. Uh, at only 2K. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot more technical comparative um, equations, you know, involved with comparing them, but I don't like, like to get too bogged down in the, in the comparisons uh digital because as we've just been talking about lots of different formats have come and gone and they all lend their own technical personality to the content that's recorded on them i don't think digital has really found its uh stride yet as an artistic art form it's really just a mechanical delivery system at the moment you give us one idea of this you know like the technical realm but then there's also the emotional and uh uh, realm of a person entering into the uh, magic of m- movies, like you as a kid in the um, the wheat fields of uh, a farm, you know, in Australia. <laughs> I mean, I was brought up in a boring country town and I had exactly the same. I have seen so many movies during the summer, during that period between 12 and 3 when it was too hot to be outside. Many, yeah. many, many films that... Uh, uh, on um, completely uh, taken up. It was a, a huge revelation to me in the same way as you described. That's one of the reasons why this film is so interesting because you talk about it on a whole lot of levels. You know, the people who are technically proficient, but the people who uh, it's had this emotional journey for them, as well as also the worlds where people went to... Uh, see movies, which was also something that was important, socially speaking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's it's hard not to see it from a nostalgic point of view, and I'm always interested to get the the opinions of of younger people who who probably caught the end of film, and and now some of them uh, uh, have only known digital, mm. and. Um, I think the one the one thing that does keep coming back to me is that we need to keep this experience alive so that people can make comparison. Because I've I've had people, um, I'm guessing our age, who uh, have come to see the Hateful Eight, which is of course that's in two seven six. It's it's ultra Panavision. It's it's amazing on seventy millimeter film, and these are people that that grew up. At the tail of the wide end, uh, at the end of the widescreen era, and they come up to me afterwards and said, "I had no idea it could look like that," and uh, that really struck a chord with me. I mean, that's 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 why we have to keep it alive so people can go, "Oh, it can look like this." I'll make a comparison and say, "Well, I still like digital for these reasons, um, but wow, film's amazing too." Um, with uh, and it really does deserve to still be there. I mean, just the fact that we've we've got 120 years, the the first the first uh, century of um, recorded storytelling in this art form, and that's that's the way we need to look at it as an art form is well, on uh, this medium. Yeah, yeah, because really, it's it's uh, manufactured naturalism. This is what people should realise. See, digit, be, do, the format, digitalising something is just uh, a format, as you said. Um, but the art form of film, I mean, it's manufactured realism, in fact. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. And, and seeing 
seeing an older film, seeing a legacy film on a different format is not really seeing it properly. And, you know, we can go to the extreme and there's always been this, this example of, you know, if you've, if you've watched Lawrence of Arabia on your phone or your tablet, then you really haven't seen it at all. Um, it, seeing it the way it was, um, it was authored uh, to be seen is, is just as important as going to see the real Mona Lisa instead of just looking at a photocopy of it and saying, well, I know what the Mona Lisa looks like now, but people still travel all the way to Paris to see it. Hi, my name is Sophia Turkovich, the director of Once My Mother. Uh, you're listening to Radio 3CR, the real radio station. Yeah, and you're with Annie on, uh, sol- uh, on Showreel, and we're listening to a chat that I uh, had with Rob Murphy about his film Splice Here, a a projection odyssey and uh, it's showing uh, first off at the sun on the Friday the 25th that's tomorrow uh, and it's got a whole range of different uh, outings in places like the classic Lido, Nova, Pivodian <clears throat> and the Asta. Uh, it's also going to be in uh, Ballarat and Swan Hill and so if you're interested in a double pass uh, you can give us a ring and we'll put give you the information about how you can get that double pass you just have to ring 94198377 you're on 3CR your community radio station and we'll continue with our chat with Rob Murphy well you know the thing about film of course if you're interested in it and you've been watching it for a long time uh the different fashions and the way things are made and uh uh, uh the way people author it, as you say, it makes a huge difference to be able to see uh, films from all the different uh, eras. But um, as you chronicle, whole eras have disappeared. Um, And also you uh, uh, chronicle the fact that uh, there is not so much an argument about what's best and what's not best, but really about uh, what uh, is possible. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible now that uh, new fest new kinds of festivals are evolving. Like there's a nitrate festival at uh, Rochester at Kodak in in the US, and they just show nitrate prints. And for those of you who don't know, the nit- nitrate is the first uh, film base that we recorded on up until about 1950. It's highly flammable and very dangerous. So there are only a few screens left in the world that are, are calibrated to show it. But to see a nitrate print of um, the Maltese Falcon on a screen is a whole other experience. I haven't seen it myself yet, but I really do want to. Um, the, the high silver content in that particular stock just gives you this absolutely glowing luminescence look on screen. And so seeing seeing a film in its original uh, film stock, like an IB Tech print or a Technicolor or, or whatever it is, it just changes the whole experience. So it, it, it really does, I believe, the, the medium to which you see something uh, is a big part of getting that authentic experience. And so uh, as an art form, we need to preserve that. Um, that's an interesting, uh, there was an interesting statistic about th- losing three projectionists a year through uh, celluloid fires, very dangerous 
industry to be in. Well, that that was in the nitrate days when, as I said, when they were they were running that that highly flammable stock, which can um, supposedly can spontaneously combust just sitting on the shelf. Uh, so yeah, if it caught fire, um, it, because the film is is running at ninety feet a minute, um, pouring through the projector, if it catches fire, it, it actually goes off like a like a fuse. So if it gets up to the spool box where the rest of the reel is, it will literally explode. And I mean, the, the bio boxes, there are still bio boxes around. We, we shoot in one of them uh, where they have uh, the shutters on the wall. And that's, that's what they were for. The whole bio box projection booth, sorry, I'll say projection booth because a lot of people don't know what a bio box means. Uh, it was really a, um, a metal uh, cage and, and the boxes, uh, the, the viewports where the projector shone out of, they had um, metal shutters on them. And so the projectionist was really, if, you, if a nitrate fire broke out, they were instructed to just pull the, pull the cable to drop those shutters and then get out of there. Because if they didn't, the door would be sealed and they would be entombed. Mm. Yeah, fascinating. Uh, we should go to uh, one of the things about this movie, of course, is all these fascinating different formats and uh, you take us back uh, back behind the scenes. You uh, uh, talk to people who are absolutely um, in love with the whole history of projection, uh, being a projectionist because they were projectionists throughout the period. But um, also... Uh, we shouldn't forget the way you've made the film itself because it might sound that it's quite dry, but in actual fact, you've gone to a lot of effort to make it accessible to all film uh, viewers, you know, like it's got a whole jaunty element to it, this film. Absolutely. I, I guess I always wanted, to, wanted it to be uh, the perfect film for my fellow projectionists. But um, it had to also be accessible to anybody with a, a passing interest in film and film history. And so, yeah, I hope I've... Uh, that was one of the reasons that I, I included myself uh, reluctantly at first as, <laughs> as the storyteller of the film. And even, even more reluctantly, I kept dipping into my own life. So, yes, it is, it is kind of my story as much as it is... Um, the last decade of, of film projection. So it's, it's fun. It's told as an adventure and we go on a ride and I, I don't get too technical. And when I do, I try to make it fun. So um, yeah, that's, that's been the greatest um, compliment I've had from a lot of people who have seen it so far is that they were like, wow, I, I had such a great time. I really enjoyed it. And I learned something. That's always the last thing I say. And I think that's a good order for it to be in. <laughs> I learned I learned a really lot. I, I didn't understand what all those um, panorama. I thought it was all just commercial bullshit because um, obviously I'd never seen anything on the proper uh, screens. But, uh, I mean, it, it's actually the same kind. What you're talking about is exactly the same experience you get when you see uh, photos that were shot and uh, on uh, glass and then they're developed because they're amazing. Yep. The clarity of the shot is just unbelievable and I'm assuming it's very much the same uh, results when you I mean now I want to go and see the um, Maltese Felton in um, in that format um, <laughs> I know it, yeah 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 where, where's where's the film going to be shown 
Uh, well, it's it's kicking off uh, this Friday at the Sun. We're doing a Q and A there, and the Sun features fairly highly in the film, so that it will run for a couple of months there. But we're also at the Nova in Melbourne, the Astor, the Lido, Thornbury Picture House, um, the Pivotonian in Geelong. Um, missing some on the classic, that's right. And also in Sydney at the Orpheum, the Ritz, and in Brisbane at the um, Five Star. And more and more screens are coming open. Uh, we're going to be in Adelaide, I've just learnt, and a couple of regionals, Ballarat, Swan Hill. So, yeah, it's uh, go and have a look at any of your um, your art house film uh, cinemas and you'll, you'll probably find it. Yeah, but yeah. If you go you've, to... you've got some great um, shots of some of those art house cinemas, I'd like to say. It's great to see the Valhalla with the houses beside it instead of all the crazy stuff is on that street now. Yeah, Where... I haven't I haven't seen many pictures of the Valhalla. That came to me um, via a projectionist. He'd taken it. I've only seen a couple of other shots that other people have, and they they're up on online a lot. But uh, this one being something different, yeah. If you go to uh, website, all the uh, locations and session times are up on there. So that'll, that'll take you to, to your tickets. Yeah, and that's it for uh, Showreel today. Uh, that was a chat I had with uh, Rob, uh, the man who made Splice It Here. Rob uh, is going to be... Rob Murphy is going to be at many of the screenings of uh, Splice It Here, a, a projectionist odyssey. And as I said, if you're interested in a double pass, you can give us a call on 94198377 and we'll give you the information about how you can put your name in for that double pass at one of these different uh, locations that it's going to be shown starting on Friday at the Sun Uh uh, just a reminder, too, about uh, the fabulous uh, Cinema Nova's biggest competition ever, <laughs> taking a leaf out of Trump's book, uh, $10,000 in cash prizes up for grabs. What they're saying is that they're after uh, emerging talent to submit creative short videos for a shot at 10 cash prizes of $1,000 plus the chance to see their work in on the big screen. Your video must be original, your own work created for this competition and mention Cinema Nova. Videos must be five to seven minutes in duration. Uh, if you want more information, you should contact publicity at cinemanova.com.au the competition started Monday, November the 21st and will close at 11.59pm on Saturday, December the 31st. That's it for Showreel. Coming up next is Published or Not. We'll go out with a bit of Mia Dyson, Precious Thing. Keeps us 
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.